We're here with Father John Tucker, who is the Canon for Ministry Formation and Leadership Development for the Anglican Diocese of the Western Gulf Coast. Father John, thank you for joining us. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. So, Canon for Ministry Formation and Leadership Development. That's a mouthful. What does it mean? <laughs> yeah, definitely a mouthful. Um, so in short, Canon is a fancy word that means I work as an extension of the bishop's office. So I work primarily with the bishop as a representative of his across the diocese. And as the title, which is a mouthful, indicates, um, I help him oversee ministry formation, which in this case is those who are discerning holy orders, those who are considering ordination to either the diaconate or the presbyterate, and also leadership development, which is the development of lay leaders across the diocese. Um, and so I work with a variety of senior pastors and individuals as they either discern those calls, um, as they are formed towards those calls, um, and helping resource and equip them for the same. Presbyterate, what does that mean? Yeah, so in um, our context, in the Anglican world, um, we have three distinct kind of clerical orders that we see in the scriptures and that um, we, we have lived out basically since the early church, which is bishop, priest, and deacon. So um, throughout the Anglican world, those are the three sort of orders along with the order of the laity, um, but, but the clerical orders in particular are bishop, priest, and deacon. And a bishop um, oversees a geographical area and is basically the pastor to all of the pastors who are overseeing churches. Um, and then we have priests and deacons at the local church or parish level. So our diocese goes from central Texas down to the border and into southern Louisiana. Um, and we have quite a number of churches in the Houston area. And so um, our Houston area churches tend to see the bishop most, mostly because of proximity. Um, but the bishop and or the diocesan team try to get to each church at least once a year. And part of the reason that bishops often have canons is for this reason, because although the bishop may only be able to visit once or twice a year, in theory, his canons or the various pieces of the diocesan team can make more frequent visitations. And so um, as an example, I have a group of five or six churches that I rotate through regularly because all of them have a concentration of individuals who are discerning holy orders. And so the bishop has tasked me to move between those five or six churches specifically um, because that's where the bulk of my work um, is done throughout the year as I'm working with those individuals and those senior pastors through various ordination processes. What is your personal story? Were you born and raised Anglican or did you come into Anglicanism through some other means? I am a Christian mutt of many sorts. Um, now that I am an Anglican, I, I feel like I have to start by my, my story with 
my, my mom's parents are cradle Episcopals. They've been in the same Episcopal church basically the majority of their life. My, my mother grew up Episcopalian. And so I was actually baptized as an infant in the Episcopal slash Anglican church. But as a child, my, my dad grew up Presbyterian, and so we grew up when I was a young child in the Presbyterian church. Um, we later moved to a non-denom Baptist church, and then in high school, an evangelical free church. Um, and college was part of a Methodist church. Um, spent some time in Africa as a missionary in the African Pentecostal church. I've, I've, I've bounced around um, quite a few denominations and places. And then um, late 2013 and into 2014, um, I was approached by a friend about um, being a worship pastor at a plant that he had just gotten involved with. And it turned out that plant was Anglican, and I had no idea really what that meant, what Anglicanism was about, but I found myself having um, a meal with these two Anglican priests who convinced me to join their plant team as a worship pastor, and um, the rest is history, as they say. Um, but that was kind of my, my foray into the Anglican world um, and where I ultimately stuck was I joined a church plant um, on their ministry team and on their plant team, and Anglicanism just fit. What drew you to it? So I think first and foremost, I was in a place at the time where I was really burnt out um, from ministry and was pretty close to giving up on a minist my ministry call. Um, I can remember multiple conversations with the Lord at the time going, if my experience so far is what ministry is about, I don't want to do it anymore. Part of what drew me into the plant was, was the community that these planters had built. But what sustained me and kept me there were things like a rich and regular liturgy, which for me was an anchor and what at the time was a very turbulent kind of life. So to regularly practice things like the Lord's Prayer, saying the Creed, doing weekly confession, receiving weekly communion. These were things that not only leveled my life a little bit um, because of the repetitive nature of these things, but were also pumping life back into me in ways that I, I didn't know I needed. And so I, I think first and foremost, it was, it was that. It was the sort of liturgy that is that Anglicanism has um, used now for hundreds of years isn't just done for its own sake, but is, is meant to imprint something on our hearts and minds um, so that when the waves come and life gets a little rocky, we, we have a source from which to pull from. And so for me, I found it pumping life back into me. I also, through the process of being on this plant team discovered that a lot of my favorite theologians and authors um, were Anglican without me, I guess, ever connecting those dots. Folks like C.S. Lewis and 
John Stott and J.I. Packer and these guys who I'd already always admired but were actually Anglican. A big piece of this for me too was I, I mentioned I had spent I spent four and a half years as a missionary in Africa. And I had actually always struggled um, to explain why I felt called to be a missionary. And a lot of that was because the churches I grew up in had language and theology around salvation where it was almost like salvation was a punch ticket to heaven. You accept Jesus and you just kind of wait one day till you die and then we all float up into the clouds and sing hallelujah. But one of the first books I was handed on this plant team was um, Surprised by Hope by N.T. Wright, another great um, Anglican theologian and bishop. And it was really the first time my eyes were open to the reality that heaven is not just some faraway place, but the kingdom is here. And um, I think N.T. Wright and Anglicanism suddenly provided me a very kingdom-oriented missional language that I'd never had before that really resonated with kind of my missional zeal. I was also especially having spent time as a missionary abroad drawn to the global nature of Anglicanism. Um, when I learned that Anglicanism existed in almost 70 different countries or provinces who all had archbishops who together made decisions on behalf of the church, that was really appealing to me, an actual universal kind of church that took its communion and unity seriously. And to know that at various times in its history, it had been carried by various movers and shakers in other parts of the world. Um, that was extremely appealing to me. And I think that the final kind of piece for me, which is ultimately part of what led me to ordination was I'd grown up in a lot of churches where the senior pastor and or the pastoral staff were often on islands with either no true oversight, very little kind of connection or community outside of the church. And to be honest, it, it made me never want to go into pastoral church ministry because I had seen too many pastors um, just alone. And so to find a, a church that had an ecclesial structure to know that I, I could enter into a priesthood and, and first and foremost have a bishop that was in oversight of me, um, that would both be my biggest cheerleader and pull me away from the deep end when I was about to jump in with weights on my ankles um, was appealing to me. To know that I had a body of clergy that I was also beholden to and in community with, not just within my own church, but across a geographical area, was appealing. To know that that structure continued both up and down in a, a wider body in the U.S., um, in a wider body across the world, and in turn further down, and that it also was an ecclesial structure that still, in reformed fashion, gave power to the lay people and the body of the church. But it had all these kind of mechanisms in place um, that made me feel safe, that made me feel like I could 
do ministry and community, um, that the people of my church were going to be safe and taken care of, but also be able to, con- you know, not be on an island themselves. And so I think all those things together. In other words, I, I think the reality is what drew me into Anglicanism was a ministry position as a worship pastor. But what kept me there was a treasure trove of things that I started unpacking and realized I'd always kind of wanted without knowing they had a place together. Oh, and I think the last thing I'd add, which is important too, is Anglicanism has always historically held together what's known as kind of three streams of worship, but were all very important to me too, which is the word, obviously, um, scripture, um, the importance of scripture in both as both the word of God and how it shapes our lives, um, the sacraments and things like communion and confession and baptisms and weddings and all the above, and also the Holy Spirit, um, and especially been shaped in part by an African Pentecostal church to find a world where, that, where, where the scriptures were taken seriously, where sacramental life was taken seriously, and where the Holy Spirit was also taken seriously. I went... I'm in on that. Give me all three of those things. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Um, So one last question. What does it mean to you to be Anglican? Ooh, that is a tougher question. I think one of the more beautiful and also frustrating things at times about Anglicanism is that Anglicanism is a very wide tent. You know, unlike... Presbyterians, Lutherans, other kind of reformed traditions, we don't have some giant statement of faith that binds us all. We traditionally are bound by our worship um, in the prayer book. We're bound by the fact that we are universal and a a body worldwide that makes decisions together. Um, I think the closest thing we come to in, in terms of a like declaration of faith is the 39 articles. Um, J.I. Packer points out that even the fact that we call them articles points to this kind of unique nature of Anglicanism and that that word is more akin to joint than it is affirmative declaration, meaning even the way the articles are written, they're written with some sort of wiggle room for an assortment of people to come to the same table. Mm. And On one hand, that can be frustrating when you've got people who may or may not disagree on certain things. But I think it's more beautiful and it's more true to say, no, actually what defines us is our worship, is primary theological issues as found in the creeds and in the historic church councils. Um, But otherwise, if we agree on those things, we come to the same table. And that, I think, is really beautiful. And I think it's pastoral. Um, And I think it offers a much greater kind of hope to a world to say, you can come in from a wide variety of places, but if you call Jesus Lord, then welcome. And um, yeah, that's, it's a much harder thing to define. Yeah. So for you, in that sense, being Anglican, what it means to be Anglican is maybe the wrong question. It's more so what you value about it is that you can be a mere Christian. Correct. Within Anglican. Yeah, that's a great way to say that. 
Um, and I think that's right. Um, I think in similar ways, I, I like when we have newcomers at our church, as an example, and they kind of ask, what is Anglicanism? I, I use two sorts of sets of language. One is that mere Christian language. We're merely Christians, and we, we come together. The other is, I think Anglicanism is something to be put on. Um, it's something you wear and you see what it does to you, which again points back to the liturgy and how we worship. Um, but I, I think that's, that's unique in some ways to Anglicanism. Is, is it's, again, this isn't so much what we believe as it is what we practice and how that practice shapes our hearts, minds, and souls. Well, Father John, thank you for joining us. Thank you, guys. Thank you.